Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everyone. June the 9th. Yes. 2020. Yes, and here we are for morning tea. Morning tea. <laughs> it's a good morning tea. <clears throat> you can drink your tea whenever you are listening to this. It doesn't have to be morning. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, because it's morning for us. Right. So morning for us tea? No, let's mm -hmm. not do that. It was hard enough. No, we had, yeah. <laughs> we went through quite the journey just to get to morning tea. So here we are. Well, it's June. You know, I was just thinking to myself, we're two months from August. I know it's kind of a funny and strange way of saying it, but yeah. two months from <clears> August. <throat> and it's just amazing how, um, yeah, we, I can't decide whether time is going fast or really, really slow, but you know, moments are happening and that's what matters. Yeah, I think it's that after, you know, three months, really, things are moving and not at the pace they were, but there it's more than it has been, so it feels faster. And speaking of August, we do have people asking us about August Rush. Yes. And uh, what we're saying is, please pray. <laughs> And ask the Lord right now, uh, here, we're in phase three of reopening. We don't know how long phase three will be. Um, our phases here have been two weeks. Um, phase one and phase two were, but there has been nothing uh, shared about when phase three will um, conclude. We would expect that to last a bit longer you know just um as things are being walked through but we don't know so our heart is to have august rush we are moving towards there being an august rush but we understand everybody's in different areas you have different impacts different guidelines and so if you're out of town buying tickets you know please don't ask us <laughs> ask papa um, if, if you should plan for that and trust him with it, um, you know, we're still working on the hotels being secured here. Um, was talking to promise about that yesterday. So we should know about that block in a few days, just cause they, you know, the hotels had things happening and construction projects that got pushed back and, you know, so uh, all expectancy that the our normal hotel that we've used will be open, um, but you can even call them too in your process. So that was no answer as an answer. <laughs> yeah, and and phase three limits the number of people in a gathering to like fifty. Uh, no, I I don't have my sheet here. Um, it's just there's still distancing protocols. I think it's, um, there's a couple different factors, and we didn't mean to send <laughs> a discussion about that. Um, the, the large churches here have not reopened and are not planning to reopen till August. Um, from what we've heard in conversations we've had, the smaller groupings like us are just beginning to have some services, but we're all, we've got distancing protocols and cleaning protocols. So uh, 
with phase three, we still have distancing protocols. And I think the gatherings are up to 100. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. So that that's good, I think, mm-hmm. for everyone to know. Yeah, know, I'm so sorry. I wasn't wasn't <laughs> thinking all that detail, or I would have had my sheets, my you know the protocols we've been sent right in front of me. I've just been looking at it in context of our weekly gatherings. So yeah, that's true. So we'll um, we will keep praying. Everyone keep yeah. praying. Our our momentum, our trajectory is towards August rush. Yeah. So we'll just see um, that everything comes together, and and we'll trust Papa for that, and we hope everyone listening will trust Papa and pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really the main point right now. It's on our, like you said, it's on our trajectory, it's in our hearts, and we are so hopeful to be able to gather. We know there are limits for people outside of here, and we we are just watchful of what, what, you know, abundance we have to host it. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, um, the, the world is, um, continuing to walk through a journey and, um, and that's, that's pretty cool because I think we all feel like there's a journey ahead and, mm-hmm. um, and so, uh, I know, um, you know, the, what kind of is happening right now, um, this, uh, amazing believer, uh, is being laid to rest today. George Floyd is being yeah. uh, laid to rest and, um, and while that's happening and, and this, um, season of mourning is continuing and there's a lot of talk um, going around the United States and around the world and we've been just talking to Papa about all right Papa what's on your heart for now what what is your what is what is what are you doing in this because this is such a world event and we know it's not um, happenstance it's 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 Papa moving and I think um, I think this week has been such a week of um, awakening and growth, mm-hmm. and just walking in that uh, journey of awakening and growth, and um, and realizing that um, that there's actually a, a journey for um, the world to go through, and um, and the the possibility of that journey brings me great hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're also seeing, um, uh, you know, at, at various points in time over the last week, I have said to Papa, my goodness, I think our nation is in a de facto second civil war mm-hmm. uh, because there's been such a um, divide um, but what Papa keeps reminding me, you know, is all of those things he said back in Terraforming Legacy. He said, mm-hmm. I'm bringing pressure to lead people to choice. And um, don't, be, uh, don't be swayed by the early results. You know, mm-hmm. like, well, the early results are, are yeah. a, a little disconcerting. Um, because we have, we have this widening 
gap mm-hmm. and um and and there is um there is uh the buckets if you will mm-hmm. of choice are becoming more and more uh profound in in their uh uh visibility mm-hmm. um and and there can be there can be stubbornness in both sides and there can be uh, love in both sides and we we really want to stay focused with uh, Papa with Jesus and knowing that we're with him through this journey mm-hmm. um, but one of the cool things um, is that uh, I've really been seeing this week how um, everything that we we've been talking about here for years specifically related to um the for-profit motive that led uh, Manuel, King Manuel, to send Albuquerque to turn that key, mm-hmm. um, was such a theft of identity in, and inheritance that we as believers, we as maturing sons and daughters of God, we as royal priests, who have walked this journey for however long we've walked it, you know, mm-hmm. 13 years or less or more. Um, but however long we've walked it, we have to be able to see that that this is a great example of one that has had an impact across the world and that there is a, um, there is a, um, a detriment that has happened to many people around the world. And there is a benefit that has happened to many people around the world. And and neither are just. It's not a just detriment. And it's mm-hmm. not a just benefit. And uh, the language that is being used right now is privilege. And I don't disagree with that language. Um, I just want to use um, sort of kingdom neutral language and say benefit. There is a benefit that is um, that is has arisen from the way um, these things happened five hundred years ago, the things that happened before that, and the things that happened after that, and so the world has um, kind of like we talked about these old soul wounds. And we'd have a wound of our soul, and our personality would grow around the wound. So that's why you have fear. That's why you have self-protection. That's why you have sabotage. You know, all of the things that we've been talking about, whether it's rebellion or addiction or any of those things that uh, make us uh, self-seeking instead of love that is not self-seeking, this is all the reaction to a wound. And um, the entire planet has been wounded um, in the same way that, uh, that it was harmful for, uh, for India to receive the spirit that was meant for Africa, and, and not just India, mm-hmm. but the entire East, received that, um, that, that ruach that was meant for Africa. You know, it would, would be like giving to you know, a person who's lactose intolerant you know, A1 cow's milk, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, um, 
Well, you know, there are some people who do fine with A1 cow's milk, but there are many people who do not, and you can't give it to them without it causing them harm. You know, it's meant for other people. And, um, and that's just a simple example, but we have a real detriment that has happened across the world. Mm-hmm. And we have a real benefit that's happened around the world, and both are unjust. An unjust benefit and an unjust detriment. And because of that, we, we need to realize that this has happened and that it's not going to be an instantaneous fix. It's going to be a journey. And if we can learn that journey now, God has many things that he wants to uh, reveal to us about how the world has been impacted by these things that we've been dismantling for 13 years now namely demonic strongholds. And so one of the things Papa said to me, he said, look at the cross. And, um, you know, so here we have the cross and, um, and then Jesus's resurrection. But, you know, one of the things that we must recognize, realize, and and remember from, from these years, because this is something we've been saying for years now, is that after the Jesus resurrected, there was not a wedding. And, and, Many people would would not, you know, contemplate that. But why was there not a wedding immediately after Jesus resurrected? You know, in the same way that the Mm -hmm. Hebrew people expected the Messiah to do all these particular things in the natural instead of in the heart. And of course, you know, what Jesus did was he he opened up the way for us, but but he didn't magically cause the bride to come into being. Mm-hmm. In fact, he went out of his way to say, um, you know, oh, this generation, how much longer must I put up with mm-hmm. you? Uh, for if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you know, you could, um, you could change the world. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's just so true. And so instead, we have this journey. It's a work of choice. Mm-hmm. And a work of choice is an entire global population of people that aren't discarded, mm-hmm. but they're loved and they're given this opportunity of choice where we can all choose to believe, become children, and mature. And that's the cross. You know, so why would our uh, work as maturing sons and daughters be any different? So if we just take terraforming as an example, here we've gone all over the world, seven continents, we've um, unplugged and dismantled these demonic strongholds. We've identified God's original plan, his covenants for the land and for the people all over the world. We've declared them. We've established them. The covenants are there. Strongholds are dismantled. It doesn't mean all of them are, but major ones are. That's given us the opportunity to do great things. But that that's not the end of the story. After we've done this, we still have ground to occupy. Mm-hmm. We still have right. healing that needs to take place. Yeah. We still have fruit to produce. Yeah. We, have, we have people to rescue. And, um, and so there is a work of choice yet to occur. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, just being very bold and, and blatant, I think uh, God is focusing this journey at its beginning, on the racial disparity that has taken place all all over the world. Mm -hmm. The detriment to, um, to, and and we'll start with 
the diaspora descendants of Africa, the people who, um, who were descendants of Africa that were dispersed all around the world. And um, this detriment that um, they've walked through is, um, is what God is highlighting. God is doing this. Mm-hmm. God is saying, I want this journey to begin here. And if this journey can begin here, if we can be fruitful in going through the work of recognizing how society, how civilizations, how everything, um, cultural uh, 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 interactions, law, the law, education, mm-hmm. healthcare. You know, all of these things we've been terraforming, church, Mm -hmm. everything around the world has built itself around this um, detriment to the diaspora descendants of Africa. And, um, and, and then, you know, now the world has created a, um, an acronym for us. You know, we have black indigenous people of color. So we have BIPOC. And we have white privilege, and um, and that's the world's language, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So if you feel to use the world's language, do. And if you're deeply offended by the world's language, you know, then let <clears throat> let us translate uh, this into um, what we we've heard God say for 13 years, and there's more. Um, is that is that something was stolen? from an entire uh, uh, portion of the, the blood cells of red and yellow, black and white. You know, in red and yellow, black and white, there's been a theft. And um, that theft was identity and inheritance. And um, the, the key has been turned and it's been restored. Um, and so access to that ruach, access to the... the the spirit of the Lord, which is Ruach, which is breath, is being returned. And in this country, you know, George Floyd was suffocated to death. Mm-hmm. I can't breathe, he said. You know, yeah. what an expression of Africa. So, you know, I, I'm saying the DDA, but not, we have so many acronyms now we're going to hurt people. But the diaspora descendants of Africa have, have been suffocating for 500 years. And that's, it's become a we-can't-breathe expression. And, and the reason is because of, of this theft and um, this diverting for profit uh, 500 years ago. And now we have a journey, a work of choice. And, um, you know, and, and, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to give us a, um, a taste you know, of, of what's to come. Because we need to know that this journey is not uh, going, going to stop unless, unless we fail and stop it. And we're not going to fail and stop it. We're going to work with God. And God is going to move around the world and, and lead people to this work of, of healing and restoration. And, um, but, but, but we're going to start with the diaspora descendants of Africa. And, uh, and I think that is growing and it will grow to um, BIPOC. And, but I think also, just here's a, a little glimpse of where we're headed, is, is that on God's heart is gender. 
and that is male-female. And on God's heart is, um, is the benefit that comes, uh, that has always been there for the male gender. Uh, the benefit that has always been there for what religion you're in. Um, so in certain countries, you know, you have dominant religions, and those dominant religions have a benefit to them, but there's a detriment to people who are not in that religion. Nationalities, certain countries have a stigma to them of being better, and certain countries have a stigma to them of being less. Um, and and so we're going to go through all of these uh, different uh, places, you know, age, the generations. There's just so many examples of um, of places that God wants to reveal where there has been an ingrained benefit to certain people and an ingrained detriment to certain people. And that has caused a great, uh, a great wound. And yes, we've unplugged the stronghold. Yes, we've declared the covenant. But there's a journey of healing, and it's no different than we were. Uh, the first things we, we heard from God and talked about with terraforming is we, at first, we repented and we forgave. And then we went through and were kinsmen redeemers, and we dealt with the generational sins from a um, hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, thousand years ago. And then we began dealing with uh, splinters and the wounds inside of us. But, you know, after we integrated, repented, and forgave, remember the potter's wheel? Do you remember how we would take heat and pressure and place it on lumps of clay and, and God would mold that lump of clay into something beautiful, you know? And that, that healing process, we have deferred to God and we've participated both. Um, but now we're at this place where Papa is saying, I'm calling on my people to be with me, the, the people of love who um, walk through the journey of heat and pressure to be molded into something beautiful. And that, that, that journey will, just like, you know, judgment begins with the house of God and, and our reset of that rescue begins with the house of God, that, that we get to walk through this journey and all of us in the kingdom. Um, and, you know, here I am, you know, and I'm just being very real. I'm a white male you know, Christian, American. I mean, you know, you've got this whole list and there's just all kinds of benefit or privilege that comes with all of those um, in that list. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking responsibility by walking through and recognizing that I was born after the year 1521, period and end of story. I was born after the year 1521 mm -hmm. and my world, the world I've lived in, uh, was molded around all of the things that happened mm -hmm. since that date and because of that date, because of that time period and what Manuel had Albuquerque do. And so now we are, uh, we are all being invited to something. I'm taking responsibility for my own walk, which is I want to um, see the dismantling of that system in me Mm -hmm. the the systemic benefit that I've received. Yeah. I want I want to walk through that journey. 
and um, and I want to I want to encourage others to walk through that journey and to recognize that that they may feel exempt from that journey and I'm not sure that anyone is I think that we all have um, an impact that has occurred because of these things and how um, our societies and our nations have and even you know the church and and uh, and uh, healthcare and um, education and all of these areas business all of these areas have been affected by um, by these events and so how has that affected me how has that affected us and and I'm I'm going to walk that journey we're going to walk that journey mm-hmm. and we're encouraging others to walk that journey. Yeah, and we're we're choosing to walk it together here and and began that last week. Um you know, I just personally realized the naivety I've had because I I don't feel um anything but love towards um any race, any ethnicity, um, like that I grew up with some prejudice in, in my family. And I remember the moment where I chose, I'm not going to feel that way. However, we have people among us that have walked this journey present in their life and generationally and historically. And because I love them, you know, and they're so welcome in my heart. And because as a group, it it feels like we don't have prejudice and we don't have these things. I have not heard stories that I've needed to hear. And I can say over the past week I've heard stories that have broken my heart um, for people that I love and for people that I love from afar I don't know them yet but um, I'm I'm their sister I'm you know I'm in this kingdom and in this family together but um, I just recognized I hadn't considered that at all and uh so that that's been a really huge place of exploration for me like you know just because i don't feel that doesn't mean it's not important to be a safe place um I, you know we can be a safe place for a pertinent person to exist but if they can't if they haven't told their stories are they fully living you know and 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 then alongside that um people that are walking this journey are realizing that they haven't told their stories and not not because they haven't felt safe but just it's a trauma and so we've got trauma opening up for people that even recognizing these things that happened to me in my entire life were a trauma and even being able to put that word to it you know and and I think right now the world is trying to find words and so there's a lot of words being put out and we talked a bit about social media last week um you know for us we're just making the choice to learn 
and and we know you know really being able to to be a place and make the choice to walk this journey all the way every injustice is going to be affected and our invitation is to begin <clears throat> with the one that is finally getting the, you know the light is so present upon it so that we can't hide from um these things we can't hide from you know what our nation has walked out and that kind of thing and so we've been reading we've been listening to podcasts and different things um and really for the beginning purpose of our own heart like you know where have I just accepted this as the norm and so you know I've seen and I've really not been on social media a lot because uh, I just I just want to be <clears throat> present um in in all he's doing have seen it a bit but I've I've seen largely that a soundbite gets you counted out <laughs> you know no matter which spot you're in no matter um which part of the story you're telling or what part of the story uh, you're trying to understand whether you're telling the story you're trying to understand it a soundbite gets sealed in a way that is um detrimental when there's already such a deficit and so um it's what i said last week i don't i don't have a comment i just i'm desperate to have conversations and learn and you know and be part of of um occupying the land that that did get opened and and understanding how the you know we've always talked about the people in the land are not separate from each other and so it's why even when we do a prayer app we're like you've got to occupy that land we use that that phrase you know, don't come back in a week for another, you know, really explore that and get to the fullness of what you just have access to. And so looking at this, it's like a lot of us, all of us have to occupy this land, you know, in order to become one. And that feels so big, but also so incredible to know like the light wouldn't be here in this way and the breath wouldn't be being given to this if if papa didn't know we could choose it that we would choose it we would choose um to really walk out um be truly about social justice and and what it means to his heart and that there's going to be things that nobody's thought of in that yet that get to be brought forth. And so something I have been recognizing in just conversations, because we've gotten to have some hard and wonderful conversations. We're, we're talking here, you know, and last Tuesday was our first, you know, we regathered for the first time and and there, there was an excitement, but there was a soberness. We, we brought freight, you know, in with us. And not in a negative way, but in a way of, I think, what we all knew we were being invited to choose. And we started our initial conversations together. Um, and they were, it was really 
powerful, but it we can't have one conversation. Just like, you know, many people are saying when things stop getting posted and all of that, this is still here. And that that is so true. Like my heart is purpose to not let anything be swept under the rug or go back into darkness. And so we're going to continue, you know, conversations. And something I'm, I'm hearing right now is how fatigued people are. And some of it was coming out of a pandemic. And and this has just been an example to me because we didn't have anyone here that had COVID. But we had people who lost loved ones from the virus and, or whose entire families had the virus uh, that were living in other places. And that was exhausting for them, you know. And so, um, you know, just that that consistency to be there for them and then the grieving and the, you know, when um, a life was lost, you know, at all. And, but in the midst of something, you know, we're now walking through numerous global things that there's no doubt Papa's saying, will you come together, you know? And so we we needed to walk those griefs through together and those journeys through together even though it wasn't happening just to us it was happening to somebody in the body you know a part of us was hurting and we needed to hurt together and to you know walk through that together and so um so just coming out of that and then here is this epic um you know, reality coming forth and this incredible invitation to narrative, to conversation, unto restoration. You know, it's not just these aren't sound bites. This is uh, systemic. This is a, a change uh, in so many things, like you said. And so there's a fatigue and some of it's like, I don't know the right thing to say. And and this isn't just, um, you know, white and black. This is even within um, the black community. Like, I've seen this fighting happening of, no, you can't say it that way. You have to say it this way. And And sometimes we process out loud. You know, I'm a very internal processor. You process more verbally. And... Like, we got to give each other the grace to just say things and then say it again, you know, if we need to. But along with it, I think many people are recognizing the injustices in their own life. And and it isn't saying, I had an injustice too. It's recognizing it and saying, this helps me apply some to something I've never understood. I've either never seen it, never acknowledged it, or never experienced it. And so a lot of injustice truths are rising up and it's it's actually an aid to be able to walk this out fully and an understanding that this is going to end up affecting all injustice, if that makes sense. Yes. Um so it isn't when that happens and that comes into the conversation, it's not to take away from the now, but 
it's, it's helping there be context to have any semblance of understanding um, when so many of us, our life has not been marked by this every single day, you know, and trying to come to that understanding. Uh, some people, I, I don't know, think there would be many who have never experienced any at all, but, but some may not have ever known. Some carry the mark of, of being acquainted with injustice, of having it uh, at some point in their life, and then some have never known life without it. And it's the never known life without it that is at the forefront right now and will allow all those other aspects to be touched, you know, and healed. Um, because in the light right now, we're just seeing what ails us. We're seeing the true illness, you know, that our, that our country and I know other countries have carried. And, and sometimes you just need the diagnosis. You know, I've heard people say that, okay, now that I know what I'm facing, I can face it, you know, and, um, and realizing that, you know, I was thinking about COVID and how, uh, you know, that's been another thing where, you know, you just can't go with the information. You just, you've got to follow his heart and touch each other's hearts. But it was, okay, well, you could not even have symptoms. You could be asymptomatic. But I see that as a truth here. We've been asymptomatic of what ails us, what ails the people globally. We've been asymptomatic. Many people have. And now we're, we're learning, oh, we have it too, you know, and walking through that. And then understanding, you know, uh, one of the, the dialogues I've seen, or it's really been an argument, is, um, you know, how long there's been slavery. And, you know, through those assignments we got to do, we took it way farther back, even than that. And so um, understanding that this, this um, infirmity has been here longer than any of us that are here right now, and it's it's very similar to when we're praying and we're receiving healing and we recognize it's generational and you have that moment of oh my gosh i have walked in this way all this time because of something a forefather did but then the beauty of being able to be reconciled to the present and and being the kinsman redeemer and all of that and um so Anyway, you know, that's no answer to anything. It's just um, what's kind of been present, the conversations. We've been getting a lot of um, just communication about the fatigue and about the injustice, like how people are coming to try to um, understand this, to find a place to be part of this restoration, which is incredible. Like, I've been so undone by it and um and so just really i'm so praying for for all of us with the fatigue those who have been facing this every day those who are just now coming to grips with it um because the truth is there's a lot we haven't seen 
But even greater, we haven't seen all of him yet. We haven't seen all our God can do yet. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're on the cusp of, is to see all our God can do. And if we fall to the fatigue, if we fall to the fatigue of hard conversations or or how long something's been uh, standing, we, we won't get to be part of exploring and experiencing him in ways we never have and see a move of his heart greater than has ever been, you know? And you know, we were saying that last week, the, the greatest awakening. So for me, I've been in the Gospel of John because that is about being one. That is the compass point of betrothal and becoming one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a lot of heat and pressure in it. Um, the disciples are, they have seen so, they're seeing what Jesus does and they're finding um, inconsistencies within themselves. They're finding prejudices within themselves. Um, all the people are in many ways because they think things are one way. They don't think it can be different or they, you know, and, and this pressure upon Jesus to, um, conform to their image is incredible. You know, there's all this pressure to either conform to the Pharisees image or the Sadducees image or the government's image or the people's image. And Jesus, um, he, he was compelled, not conformed, you know. And so there's all these stories of this heat and pressure and the, the disciples truly being invited to occupy. You know, he's the gate. He's the door. And to walk through those openings again and again and occupy those places that he's showing the provision is there. So um, I was reading in, um, I've just been reading in all of John, but in John 4. And um, so it begins, John 4 begins with, and this is the woman and the well is here, but this is a little bit different aspect of the story. So Jesus learned that the Pharisees are quite upset because um, he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And when you just read it in the story, it then in parentheses says, he wasn't actually the one baptizing, his disciples were. And I I heard somebody sharing uh, just within uh, the past few days that isn't this just where we are? It was the wrong information. You know, the news is reporting that Jesus is doing this, but that's not, he wasn't even the one doing it. He had, he had already given that inheritance over to the disciples. They were talking to people. They were baptizing. But Jesus knew um, it, wasn't, it wasn't time for him to um, deal with this in the way they wanted it dealt with you know, and so he left Judea where he was, and so I want to just refer to Mapolis a little bit, so Mapolis is uh, in terraforming gates, 
mapless. Yes. Um, so it's a chapter there, and it um, there's a legend in it that talks about the different places Jesus was and what it meant. So I was very drawn to that as I read this time where he was um, and where he went from there. So he left Judea, which is a place of praise, a place of testimony. So a place where um, much had happened. Uh, and, you know, he's growing, the, the kingdom is growing, and, and this persecution is coming because of it. And, I mean, this is going to sound so weird um, to say, but I, I never want to be persecuted. You know, I don't want us as a people to be. But I would love, I look forward to the day when the accusation is just because we've grown, you know, because we have come together, we've grown, we've matured so much. They don't know what to do about us, you know, about his people becoming who we were meant to be. Um, So he leaves Judea and he goes to Galilee. And so um, its origin word is Galil which means of nations, but there's lots of words connected to Galilee because it, it um, is also words for lake. So, um, Kenor is one of the words, and that's the word for harp, and of course, Galilee looks like a harp. We talked about that um, at, I think that was at AR. Um, but, what did a harp do throughout history? It undid the enemy. When David played the harp, it undid the enemy within Saul, you know, and he would come to peace. And so, so here he goes to Galilee, this place of undoing the enemy. Um, he also, he would go there to connect to the people. And one of the meanings of the word is to teach, to teach. So he would go there to, to show people, to teach them what he did that they might receive it and do the same. And then um, petzer is the word for branch, so it's a fertile place for shoots and sprouts. So it's a place that things can grow. It's a place for seed to be received and take root. And then natsor is to guard or watch. And so what were they guarding or watching for? The fruit that was going to come from the seed. so many miracles happened there at Galil. And so, and that sore means to tend to what he did as precious. So to carry it as precious, to let it grow in you, to keep it on, carry that on. And then the sore, another word is source. So he demonstrated who his source was upon the lake. Um, another description of Galil or Galilee is it's a place where a palace comes down. It's a place where the, the castle came down that the people tried to build for him their idea of who he had to be. So image was restored. So this was a place he did many things because of all of that. That was just a very fertile, fruitful place. So he's there and he spends some time there and um and just pouring into the people and reminding them what has grown since the last time and asking them to tend to occupy the land to occupy the space he's made for them and then it it says this he needed to go through samaria 
So that's really important. He didn't have to go through Samaria. And whenever I think of Samaria, I think of like New Orleans when we first went and how we got there and people said, you know, there are so many um, ministers and pastors and evangelists that wouldn't go to New Orleans and they wouldn't even fly over it. And that's kind of how Samaria was. It was the most direct route, but people would not go through it. So they would go backtrack, they'd go around, they'd go twice as far just to not go through it. And that, that was kind of the, the version of New Orleans that we were given at the beginning, that people wouldn't even fly, but they would do anything to go around it. But, you know, we discovered what a precious, precious place that is to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so here, Jesus needed to go there. And none of his followers wanted to go. (laughs) And they didn't want him to go. And they're kind of contending with him not to go that way. But he needed to go through. And Samaria means watchtower or watch mountain. So it's a place to watch from. And so I was looking at it. And so um, he comes to the well. And this is... You know, Jacob's well, which was a field given to Joseph by Jacob. So here it's a place of inheritance. Just like Galilee has been, This Galilee was a place where Jesus just passed inheritance. He just showed people what was in them, what um, they were able to respond to, you know. And that's so what we're being invited to right now is to be remembered to what we're able to respond to. We are, no matter how insurmountable anything feels, we are able to respond to him. We are. We were created able. Mm -hmm. And he's within us, you know, we're able to do that. So so Jesus comes there and we're told he's fatigued. He's fatigued. And that he comes to rest from the journey. So here he is in a place no one else would come. No one else would go with him. And it's a place where he knows um, he must go. He, he actually has a need to go there. It's not just he's commanded to go there. He's got to go there. He needed to go there. And I'm so intrigued by that because in this place, no one else would go. No one else would go. He found rest. And, and I wonder if his fatigue, if he was so fatigued, if he was, um, the complete Jewish Bible says he was exhausted, like, and just picturing that if he was actually exhausted because no one else would go because he'd just been at Galilee. He'd been there. He returned there so many times. They were growing. There were more and more people who knew him, who knew who he truly was, whose castles had been dismantled within themselves and everything that would separate them from the truth and the image of him and from recognizing the image within themselves is dismantled and and it's spreading and it's growing, yet no one will go here. No one will go to Samaria. No one but him. And 
And I just started wondering if he has felt fatigued in these days as he waits for us to go to all these places we haven't been before. These places we, we haven't even known were on the map or these places we have been very clear on the map but we would not go. And if he has felt fatigued and part of the fatigue we're feeling is that, even that, he's like, when you go, when you deal with these things, when you confront these things, when you um, converse about these things, when you heal this, you'll find rest. And there's a weariness we've been carrying our whole lives that we haven't even known because the atmosphere has been so um, completely occupied by things other than him, than his, his justice and his truth. So it was such an unlikely place to rest, this place no one else would go, but, but rest came for him as things were reconciled. And then um, one more thing that I, you know, I've always seen it in the context we would see it in what the Samaritan woman says to him, but I just saw it so differently this time. She said, you don't have a bucket. <laughs> you got it. And I'm like, no, he didn't have buckets. He didn't have a bucket. He didn't have buckets. He was not there to choose sides. He was there to bring everything to the center of his father's heart, to be reconciled and restored, to be made one. He didn't have a bucket. I love it so much. That's so much. The coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, and then just, uh, I'll try to keep, make this a quick note, but in, in being in the Gospel of John um, and really pursuing the, those seven aspects of social justice, and um, I'm going to get these terms and definitions that we talked about last week to whistle. He's going to put them on the threaded app, so I'm, I'm hoping to get that to him today. Um, <clears throat> Because I think it'll be so good to be able to refer to it. So I don't, this is not a complete picture. I can only speak definitively to two of these, but I know they all fit. I don't know how, but I'm going to put it out there because maybe you guys will explore it too. Um, so I've been looking at the seven miracles talked about in the Gospel of John. Um, because remembering his, you know, a lot of those weren't, you know, his his book, his gospel is not full of miracles. It's not full of all of that. But um, there are some listed. And so there's seven of them. And I just feel like these are a picture of how he walked out social justice or how he um, brought an end to injustice and intended for us to. And so I know they connect to the seven Um parts of the Torah that describe social, um, that describe his justice. Um, but I, I, this just came yesterday, so I, I haven't put it all together. But the, the seven miracles are uh, water being turned to wine. So I can tell you that one. That one is Gimalu, Hasadim, or Hased, and that's when you throw a wedding. <laughs> There's lots in that. Even what I shared last week was a nutshell. My my hope is to get to go much more fully into this at 
August Rush. Mm. Um, but that is the one where you, you help the sick, you comfort people, you welcome travelers or guests, um, you prepare a f- funeral, or you throw a wedding. So here, they're at this wedding, and this is when you know Mary comes to him, and, and she's not asking him to fix the drinking situation. She's asking him to remove the family shame, which is such a huge part of ending injustice is to remove shame. Yes. And we see so many times where he did that. But that was, that's the story of this. Um, the family didn't have enough wine because they had come upon hard times, either, you know, poverty, their crops. You know, they had pestilence. They had something um, which kept them from being able to put away that wine for their daughter's um, wedding throughout her life. And so that's what, that's what Mary asks of him. And he says that beautiful thing, mother, how will this draw us together? And that, that's what we're all being invited to. How can this draw us together? Not, are we doing it all right? But how can we come together in this and become one through this journey? So I do know that is is the Hesed. Um, and then there's the the healing of the official son. That's also in chapter four. Um, and then in chapter five, there's the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, I don't um I don't have this one assigned yet, but but that phrase, do you want to be well? You know, do you want to be well? Um says so many things to me as I've read it this time. Like, one, something so important was the healing was already there. Like, the pool was known for its healing, but that man couldn't get into it. Um, And it's right next to a marketplace where you could buy anything you wanted, but what he really needed was there. It had already been provided, and Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? And... Going back to chapter four, <laughs> to the woman at the well, to that story where he comes to that well, he comes to that place of inheritance where Jacob gave to Joseph and passed on um, something that would, um, from the line of Christ, be in the line, <laughs> you know, be in the line of Christ. Do you want to be well? Do you want this? And I feel like that that's his question to us now. Do you want this infirmity healed? Do you want this what ails you to be cured, to not come back again, to, to, you know, be healed and cured. Do you, my people, want to be well? Um, and then there's the feeding of the 5,000. Um, and it's listed as the 5,000. We were talking about this last night. Only the men, number of men were listed. There were women and children there too. And so this is such a picture of the marginalized, the ones who weren't counted, being cared for. Um, And then uh, he walked on water in chapter 6, and then chapter 9, he healed the blind man. Um, And then the seventh was he raised Lazarus. Um, And so this one I know (laughs) is the Ki Garim 
Hayatem bi Eretz Mitzrayim, which yes, Lord help us. But this was all about um, this on in the Torah multiple times was the instruction not to oppress a stranger, and so I love this because Bethany means house of welcome, and so this was a place of welcome, like no one would be oppressed. By me, no one. I would not oppress someone. And um, this is where Jesus dwelt after he entered into Jerusalem. And it's also Bethany is also known as the house of figs, or the house of maturity. So this that's the seventh aspect of social justice from the Torah. But the seventh miracle, it, these were called the seven signs of Jesus. So. Um, you know, earlier Jesus has cursed the fig tree. You know, will anyone grow up? Will anyone mature? And it is going to be through walking through these steps of true justice that is going to draw us together and bring us to this fullness of maturity where he can dwell, where we create a true home for him. So... So y'all explore those too, <laughs> yes. and uh, we'll get these onto threaded, and so you might you might see the you know the matchups before I do, and that's amazing. I just I know they go, but I haven't had the opportunity to sit and fit them, put that puzzle together. So well, it's such a blessing. It's like a roadmap of uh, mm-hmm. of healing, you know, and yeah. uh, just really cool to to know. I mean, and it it it. it moves and expands our hearts Mm -hmm. you know when we realize that you know um there's there's so much choice in this it's a Mm -hmm. it's a work of choice yeah you know and that's where you know do you want to be healed you know that's just true it's a work that's choice you know and um but yeah i just love every bit of that so yay yay all right we love you guys we love you